Do you ever find yourself yearning to look beyond the obvious and dreaming about what's possible in your next chapter? Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett, former corporate executive who turned the page to become a best-selling author, entrepreneur, designer, and lifestyle business consultant. Episodes feature me and a kaleidoscope of guests who share their journeys with wit, candor, and humor, breathing life into real talks about things that matter most. I believe we all have a fire burning within us, waiting to be unleashed and shared with the world. It may just be a matter of time. So let's get together, turn the page, and get this adventure started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. Today's guest is Kathy Robinson. Kathy began her career on Wall Street and then spent 15 years at a Fortune 250 company before retiring. After decades assessing the wellness of corporations, she turned the lens from professional assessments to launching Athena Wellness and becoming a certified coach and sharing her wellness journey and philosophy in her book, The Athena Principles, Simple Wellness Practices for Overworked Professionals. Kathy, welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. Thank you so much, Jeanette. I'm so thrilled to be here. This is fantastic. You had me at a couple of different places in your book, okay? So the first one was in your introduction when you actually shared your journey, what got you to the place that you are right now, and the actual scenario with or the person you reported to, who there must have been some type of communication issue between the two of you guys. You made this decision to actually take a trip to Alaska. I love the fact that you did not ask for permission. You just stated the time that you were taking the trip and when you were going to be gone and returning. But you got me at Pawn Attacked King. That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. But I think what you're talking about, Jeanette, is in the book, I I tried to show that it was really three wellness turning points that put me on this road to wellness and each one went deeper. And that's kind of the premise of the book, how this really is a journey. It starts starts with usually something physical because you can see the the results you can see the change in the body mine was no different in my mid 30s you know that what you hear about wall street i was there for 18 years the work hard play hard like that's no joke and plus it was manhattan in the 80s and in the 90s and what that does over time when you hit your mid 30s things start to wear down and i was commuting home i worked for a big financial institution at the time i was crossing rockefeller plaza the toe of my pump caught into my trench coat and I went down on the steps and you know Manhattan like people just go around you so I scrambled up but what that did while I didn't get hurt I I was a fairly athletic person my entire life here I am in my mid-30s I had gained about 25 pounds since college I really wasn't taking good care of myself and obviously my reflexes weren't what they were so at the time the late 90s I started on this program called Body for Life I still have that book I still have the book too like all the pages are coming out, but it was the first time somebody could communicate weightlifting, cardio, eating clean to like a lay person, to a professional person. And it really got my body in shape. And what happens once that happens? Your confidence boosts, you know, like you just hold yourself differently in the world. And so after that, I went to the company that you were just speaking about. It was my last stop on Wall Street. Now I'm 40 
And I had been at this company about five years and I knew I needed a break. And Alaska was as far away from Manhattan as I could get. And to your point, I had worked for a boss there who I adored. And after 9-11, and this was Morgan Stanley. Morgan Stanley was the largest tenant in the towers at the time when the attacks happened. And in 2002, I wanted to take this trip. And I did ask for permission because I really did adore this gentleman that I worked for. And that's not what you did at the time. You didn't just take three and a half weeks and just leave corporate life. Um, and so I, I took his advice and didn't go. And then two years later, the pieces on the chessboard had changed. I was working for someone who I didn't have that relationship with. And I was just like, I have to do this for me. I have to get as far away from Manhattan as possible. And I got in my van and I drove 5,000 miles to, this is before Google Maps. I didn't even know you could drive there that you can. You're in Canada a really long time before you get there. But in the middle of this wilderness, I finally was able to connect and listen to myself. Something's got to change here. You have become this production machine. Like, who are you? You just produce. That's great. But I couldn't bring my creative side to work. I couldn't bring my expressive side to work. And I didn't know what was going to change, but I knew something had to change. And so I had this like, come to Jesus moment. And then I get back to Manhattan. I'm like, well, how am I going to make this happen? And you know, within three weeks, a boss that I used to work for, that I loved working for, called me and said, hey, my number two guy just left. I worked for this company in New Jersey. It was ADP. Well, you want to come join my team? I didn't even have to pick up the phone. And so that, again, when I look back, and how this influenced Athena Wellness. It was like, okay, got my body in shape. I got my mind aligned with some sense of purpose. Now I'm working in New Jersey. I'm able to write because I always carried a notebook and a pen with me wherever I went. And now I'm in my mid 40s. And now there's this desire of, you no, know, someday, because I was only in my mid 40s, someday when you retire, wouldn't it be nice to have life as a writer? Like, that was always my dream. And so I decided like, there was this this retreat on Whidbey Island, which is off the coast of Washington State. And um, I decided to go out there and to share my writing for the first time with anybody. In fact, my best friend comes from that. I met her at this week and she was just like, you should have seen yourself walking in. I was all Jersey. I was all corporate. And these are like really nice, heart driven writers. And it was just like, I was so far out of my comfort zone. But during this retreat, I got in touch with the deepest, like, wildest, purest sense. It completely shifted everything inside. And so this wellness turning point was much more spiritual, but it was still on that path. And now when I get back, I look the same, like it wasn't external, but everything changed. And there's this dissonance of like what I had experienced. And then how do you go back into the corporate world? And I was there another about 10 years before I actually left. But I think what I got a glimpse of was here's a life you can have for yourself. And wow, you are far off that path. Like there's a gap. And that's, I think that's why a lot of people don't change sometimes in, from a wellness perspective, because you feel that gap and it seems so far away and you don't know what to do and you don't know how to get started. If it wasn't for that glimpse, I wouldn't be sitting here with you today. It's, it's interesting that you put it that way because I felt that. One of the things that I really enjoyed about your book, it felt so compassionate. It was, it's lovely. I had a feeling of being hugged. I honestly had a feeling of being hugged. Now, there are other books where it's hardcore, but with your book, it was just so beautifully written with such 
compassion and love. What I enjoyed about it is that it gave me a feeling of, of fluidity. And with being fluid, you can take the shape of whatever's happening as long as you're moving and making progress. And that's kind of how I felt when I was reading your book. This can quote, I, can I just quote. tell you that that's such a compliment? I don't mean to interrupt you, but first of all, coming from an Italian, to say it was a hug, that's a big deal. But no one has ever characterized that. Like you really gave me chills. And I just wanted to thank you for reflecting that back. And just to say that the reason why that's so important to me is that you know the formula of quote unquote self-help books of like do these five things. And I think the idea coming from principles was exactly what you're saying. We're all in different places in our journey. How could we take a framework or uh, these sets of principles and apply it to our life today so we don't have to become somebody else to be able to, to try this? Like we can be ourselves where we are. It felt that way because when you said that you had accomplished the ultra marathon. Ultra marathon, yeah. I said, girlfriend, that's something that I'm never going to do. So if this book is about ultra marathon preparation, I'm, I'm not going to read the rest of this book because I have no desire to do an mm. ultra marathon, okay? Right. And not my scope, don't want anything to do with it. But that's your thing. And I felt that in reading your book, you could actually create your own path that was authentic for you. And I think in your first chapter, Wholehearted Living, this is the quote. I shared this with my friend yesterday. In time, you'll come to see that wellness does not merely involve physical or emotional change. It is a form of self-respect. Mm -hmm. When I read that, in fact, I've shared that quote with three people Wow! since yesterday. That will change a person's perspective of the journey, I believe. Yeah. I believe. There's a reframing there that I think is incredibly powerful. Like, you know, and then we have to think about why is it that we want to be well? Like, what's the purpose? What is this idea of wholehearted living? And for me, it's to feel physically well enough that you can do the things that light you up with the people you love. And that's what it's all about. Like, you're not doing this. You'd be on some cover somewhere. I mean, some people do that professionally, but not the rest of us that are in, you know, the, the flow of life here. You want to be able to enjoy your life and nobody's going to carve out that time for you. And by doing that, that's where that quote came from. It's like, how do you show up for yourself? Because if you don't show up for yourself, you can't expect anybody else to. There's so many people who say they want it. And there's so much information out there that can help or can confuse you. And I think that might be the dilemma that a lot of people are in. They have to weed through so many talking heads who have this advice and that advice and this way to do it and that way to do it. But when I read that sentence, it made me feel like anyone could do it if they only knew the power is within them, even if it's just to change one or two things. Yeah. And you, you know, that's where Athena wellness comes from. Because Athena had both strength. She had the shield and the sword. She had the owl on the shoulder, which was wisdom. And that's why I named the company what it was, because it's not for me to give that to somebody. You already have it. I'm just reflecting that back in wherever it is that you are. We all have that. And I think that was the powerful moment when I was on that island in the middle of no, not only in Alaska, but it would be when I was able to get in touch with that deepest part. You can hear, like, you've got the answers. You know what that next step is. I think the other thing that sometimes trips people up is they're expecting until I see the whole path, I won't start. 
And, and the truth is, we never see the whole path. We have no idea where we're going. There are twists and turns, and that's part of the adventure. But you always know the next step. And it doesn't have to be very big. In fact, if it's feeling big, it's probably could be broken down into much smaller parts. Like take a little piece of that to your point of like, pick one thing. And it doesn't have to be going to the gym. That's, and, you know, in the book, there's that holistic wellness spectrum. And the reason why I created, this is a spectrum of all entry points into wellness. And yes, some of it is physical with, you know, nutrition and exercise and movement. Some of it is mental and how you can kind of simplify your life. There's a whole spiritual element and a whole part of but towards the very end we get into adventure and experience and discovery because that's where we're headed that's what this whole life is about and where you start is a, a jumping off point to it will lead you to the places you personally need to go absolutely absolutely well you talked about framework and the methodology and in athena principles you talk about tools principles and practices mm-hmm. can you go a little bit deeper on that yeah absolutely so i talked a little bit about the tools already so the first thing is this holistic wellness spectrum. And the reason why I created it was to give people a lot of options to meet them where they are. And then there's also a very simple wellness assessment that basically it's kind of like a you are here using the principles, how you're feeling about them now. And it's just to give you a sense of where to start. So as I go through the principles, you'll, you know, when you do this little assessment, it's like, if you're low in one area, maybe that's the area you want to, you want to choose. So it's just a way of, of getting started. And then there are practices. And the practices are writing, and you don't need to be a writer to do these exercises. If you can write an email, you're, or you can write a text, you can do these exercises. There is, I call meditation, but it's really contemplation or reflection, if that's more comfortable for somebody. And then there's positive action. What are the things that we can do to show ourselves that we're becoming the person that we want to become? And action is incredibly powerful when we see ourselves doing this, when we're witnessing ourselves doing this, we want to do more of it. It's almost like it it feeds on itself. It's like fuel. Um, And then the five principles, and I'll touch on them briefly. The first one is the one that I came to last uh, to understand, and that is self-compassion. You know, you've learned a little bit about my background. Being self-compassionate was not something that was valued back in those early days. And so I came to that last, but I thought it was so important and it has been so powerful that I made it first, not only to remind me, but to give people the grace to be able to start where they are, to give themselves permission to do that. And I define compassion as much like I do, where you assess where you are today to where you want to go, there's that gap. If you can navigate that gap with self-compassion, I've come to learn the journey is so much more enjoyable and you actually get more out of it as well. So you're going to be in there for a long, for the longer game if there's some self-compassion involved. And so the more ease you allow in the process, the less resistance you'll feel. And if you're on the wrong, if you start somewhere and it's not that, you know, it's not the direction you want to go and you can compassionately adjust. It gives you a lot of leeway to get going. And a great way to start there is how can I be more supportive of the change I want to make? Again, being your own cheerleader, right? Being the one that's showing up for yourself. How can I be more accepting of myself? How can I be less judgmental? It's a great place to start for self-compassion. Right with the self-compassion. I I was talking with a friend of mine yesterday and um, she's faced with a dilemma dealing with family and she is very independent and has done well in in, in her her life, but she's really hard on herself. 
So I read her the self-compassion excerpt from your book. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, I, the day I, I, this was years, decades ago, but the day I really heard how I was speaking to myself, I was shocked because I would not speak to anybody else that way. And, um, as I write in the book, like I I had to start small. It was like, sometimes I would do, because it was me pushing myself, like trying for that perfectionist outcome. And so it wasn't like I was beating myself up. I was just trying to push myself. And so I would say, whatever the thing was that I was saying of, you could do better. I would just pause when I caught myself and say, love, Love. just put that on the end of like, because it's hard to go from that critical self to a loving self like that doesn't happen overnight so and it would make me laugh and of course whenever you can laugh you bring some levity to it and then the next time it would be a little bit easier and a little bit easier and now I would never speak to myself that way anymore you know it is much more it does evolve over time and it just takes some self-awareness the, uh, the second principle is intention. And that is whenever we embark on any change, we need to take some time to reflect on the why. Why are you willing to commit to this area of focus? Now, coming from a very goal-oriented person like myself, this was a switch because it's not the brain. It's not the logical brain saying for this reason, for this outcome, this is the heart saying, why is this important to me? Why do I want to make this change? How will I feel once this change is made? Again, not a typical New York touchy feely kind of thing, right? How will I feel? This was new language for me, but that's what gets you out of bed. If your goal really is to go to the gym, what gets you out of bed isn't the, oh, I have to go to the gym. It may work for a couple of weeks in the first of January, but over time, it wears off. It only takes you so far. But if there's a sense of, oh, I want to go on this trip that's going to require, I'm making this up, you know, me to walk three miles a day. So therefore I'm getting up. There's a feeling there. There's something that is meaningful to me. That's what gets people going and keeps them going in hard times. It's the eye on the long view. The third one is consistency. And for me, that is the secret component. It's where uh, a lot of people could drop the ball here because they feel like if they're not doing it perfectly as they've outlined in their mind, they just stop when it's sometimes it's just showing up and doing the best you can on that day whatever that might be. So it's also showing up for yourself. It's keeping an important commitment with yourself. And it gets back to that self-agency, right? It's very easy to override that because nobody would know if I didn't do this. No. And you are keeping score whether you realize that or not. So the fourth one is growth mindset. And that to me, I have an equation in the book. It's the value plus constructive behaviors gives you growth mindset. And this is where you start to see challenges, which we all have, no matter where you are in this journey. There's always going to be things that are coming in your path that are unexpected. Over time, you start to see these as opportunities. What is this trying to teach me? What could I learn? What is it? Why is this showing up when it's showing up? So, and I also, sometimes when people feel stuck here and it's like, they don't want to put on these rosy glasses, these op- this optimistic of like, yay, everything's fine. Sometimes it's as simple as just pausing and saying, okay, what's going well right now? Let me just name 10 things that are going well. It's a beautiful day here in New Jersey. My heart is beating. I'm not even thinking about it. And look, my heart is beating and my blood is flowing and I've got a wonderful family. Whatever those things might be, there are thousands, probably millions of things that go right every day that we have no clue are happening. To be able to pause and take that in, I think can get us in the type of mind frame we need without it being all rah-rah when we're not feeling that way. There's always something that we can see that's working and well. Are you 
mentioned in that particular chapter, the digital vision board. I thought that was so slick. In fact, I shared that with my friend yesterday because, like I said, she's going through a a thought process and reevaluating and assessing certain things. So I shared with her the digital vision board where you can set it up and program it to have positive affirmations and images that bring a certain energy. That's kind of how, what I took away from that. Exactly. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because it's an example of how, so I think about when I started that I'm working full time, I'm traveling all around the world. I don't have time to sit down and I'm not knocking this because this works, but like, let me get a stack of magazines. I don't even know that they make magazines anymore, but let me get a stack of magazines and some scissors and stuff like that was not in my work. But, and I don't know how I came to it, but I just wanted something that was forced for me. And I just got on Amazon, I got this, this picture, the frame, and I just start, you can do it from your phone. So you can take screen captures and it's this whole mix. There's like 800 pictures there now, and you can swap them out when they don't resonate anymore. You can make them go away, but it is this mix of quotes of things that are aspirational of pictures that had in the past that just give me that good feeling. And it's exactly what you said. It's about finding ways to raise your energy, to raise that vibe in a way that feels good for you. And nobody needs to even know that that's there. Like that just plays. I have a program that comes on at like five in the morning. It goes off at 11 at night. So every time I walk past this particular place, there's something that's kind of coming my way. It's it To me, it's the equivalent of like prayer flags, right? It's just this energy that it's sending out. And it's, it's what's important to me. So I love that you mentioned that, that these are ways that you can take these practices and, and make them your own in whatever way works. Some people use their, when they have time, they'll just flip through a certain photo album uh, that has images like this. Loved it. And she loved it too. Uh-huh. That might be her birthday gift coming up. Excellent. And then the last principle is accountability. And that is very simply once a week, just check in with yourself. And one thing that I added now being a kinder, gentler version of myself, is this uh, not only checking in, but celebrating the wins, not something I was really good at doing. And then compassionately taking responsibilities when there are setbacks, saying, yep, there are setbacks there and compassionately modifying, which brings you right back to the top because this is just a cycle that we go through no matter what. Like I said, I embraced this this book and uh, it felt good to read it. Mm -hmm. It was not a struggle. I love your writing style. It fit for me, the flow of the book. There were some parts of your book that aligned a bit with the book that I I authored. In fact, actually, it's more of the corporate experience. Oh, yeah. And some of the interactions with leadership and thinking about things in a certain way, going to these these seminars that may not have been company-driven. So basically taking upon yourself to go out there and get some development that was not actually attached to company and then realizing that, wow, there is just so much inside me yeah. that has not been actually really nurtured or I know I'm capable of. And then this is the thing, having to go back to the office and almost feel like it's two different worlds that you live yes. in. Yes. Going to a Stephen Covey seminar, let's just say, a workshop, and then going back to the office and you're thinking, it's just a disconnect here. Yeah, but here's a secret though. And these are for listeners who are still in the corporate world and are, are are transitioning out. When I came back from that, right, it took me a while, but when I came back from that writing seminar, like I realized I really love story. And so I used to report to the board of directors every quarter I had to give a presentation and unbeknownst to them, I incorporated story. 
story. So it wasn't overt. This was a a board of a Fortune 250 company. So I'm not going to be like, well, let me tell you a story. But for me to feed my own soul while I was still in this capacity, how can I incorporate some of the things that really light me up when I'm not in the office? Like, how can I do this? And I started to incorporate storytelling as I was putting these decks together. And what is it that I want to say? And so it wasn't obvious to others. Oh, they responded really well to them. And probably because I was upping my own energy. Right? I was, was into what I was saying. I was really proud that I was doing this under secret, you know, getting my own stuff in there. But there was really good responses. And I think it's because bringing a little bit of your heart into the work world doesn't have to be what you on, I don't know, Instagram or Facebook, or you're bringing all this vulnerability, like you can bring really deep parts of yourself to the work world in a way that feeds you and as a result feeds others because it's feeding you, not because of what it is. It's the energy that you're putting into it. Absolutely. So now that you have transitioned out of the corporate space. Uh, It was 2019, November, 2019. Okay. Okay. And now that you're a wellness coach. Mm-hmm. What are some of the, the, the commonalities that you um, experience with clients that you work with? Are there some just common threads with the, with the clients that you have in terms of challenges that they are faced with or yeah. issues or concerns? Yeah, well, what's interesting is that I, so I left November 2019, getting ready to launch my book, which was published in May of 2020. And what happens in between those two? A global pandemic like that nobody saw. So, so the book tour becomes a podcast tour, like all of the plans that I had, just like everybody else, right? They, they all go out the window. So the work that I thought I was going to do, which was keeping professionals well as they ascended the corporate ladder, as I kept myself, I do some of that. But where a lot of my focus is now is helping folks descend the corporate ladder. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to retire. It could mean that they, as we've heard, like they just don't want all the responsibility. And so they want to stay in lower levels of the company. You know, But it's this mindful decision of, I'm not going up. I may stay lateral, but I may also come down. And the reason why I got into this is that I was finding a lot of people plan for their financial life in later years but few plan for their future life. And so now my focus is, um, I have this course called From Type A, speaking as one, from Type A to Type B, how to mindfully descend the corporate ladder and invite what's next. And it's very much this framework. How do people start, even while they're still working in corporate? In fact, it's great for people who were thinking or like five years out, how do I start to rely less on my head and come more from the heart, much in the way that I just described, like how can I start to incorporate these things that I'm finding that may have nothing to do with the work that I'm doing, but mean a lot to me? How do I start to incorporate some of these things into, into my life? Or if they're out, many people who have left, especially during the pandemic, are like, okay, I can't do this. I'm out. And then they're looking around their life like, now what? Because there's an identity shift, whether you stay, whether you stay and you descend or you descend and you leave, the person you were 
when you were at a different rung on the ladder is not who you are once you step off. And even though I was super ready to go, there's still that, well, I'm not that person. And I'm not the person that the company isn't built yet. There's this liminal space. And that freaks a lot of people out when your old identity completely disintegrates and you're waiting for whatever it is that may be coming, but it's not there yet. If you're not prepared for that and have some practices when you're in that space, that can be very, very disorienting. But if you go in with a sense of intention and mindfulness, it could be one of the richest experience of your life and bring you to places that you've never, never intended or could never even imagine when you were in that different, wearing that different identity. That's really powerful because that's the, the premise for the next chapter experience to provide examples of others like you and even like myself who managed to have some internal guidance of the elephant of wisdom. And you almost anticipate that, you know that there's something else. There's a next iteration of um, your life, if you will. And it's not all of you is contained in this corporate package or labeling, that there is more yet to be done. And Mm -hmm. you accept the responsibility to move in that direction and you prepare yourself for that. Mm Because I meet with a lot of people and many are very concerned about what's next. They would like something to be waiting for them, but they just don't know how to go about finding what that thing could be. I think that what you're saying and the service that you provide in the coaching is something that's very well needed for a certain generation of people. Mm -hmm. And I would just, to give your listeners a sense, process, and the first thing that I think we're type A's are really not very good at is just creating the space to be in. And there are ways to be able to, to do that. I still have trouble sitting and just being. In fact, in August, I literally kept a calendar and would mark off an hour a day that was from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. where I would sit outside, have a cup of coffee, and just be. I had to schedule it because that's not something, that's not in my nature. But what comes from that space, there are things, and I, I always had a notepad, like things that are coming up that when you're in the busyness of the day, it's not getting your attention. So to allow these things to surface. So the first thing is creating space. The second thing is to give yourself permission to be there, that this is a worthwhile exercise. It goes back to that idea of self-respect. This isn't lazing on the beach and, you know, sipping margarita somewhere. This is a worthwhile exercise because you're getting to know yourself. And then how do I begin to question assumptions? You know, the things we've always done. Boy, that came to me that first year or two of transition from corporate to entrepreneurship. It's like, why is my coffee pot going off at 345? And I'm like, I don't have to do that anymore. Like, what is going on here? So how to question things that you I've always done that way because you had to keep that productivity going. And then uh, giving yourself permission to explore new activities. What are the things that are capturing your curiosity just because you're curious? One of the big questions that I had when I was thinking of making this transition is how do I want to spend my time? I never asked myself that question before. I didn't have the luxury. How do I want to spend my time? Great question to ask. And then we find ways to initiate action. And then we literally see people take flight. And then the very last uh, part of this is giving people the tools 
tools they need to sustain this long term. This isn't some quick fix, one, two, three. This is how do you continue to nurture this process? Because once you start to go through, as you start to come through, life really does become an adventure. Like these twists and turns don't become so scary anymore. I didn't expect this. I wonder what's around the corner though. Like this is leading me somewhere because you're used to the flow, the ebb and the flow that just kind of goes through life that when you were so busy before, you didn't even notice that rhythm was there. So this process just gives people a chance to get in touch with their own natural rhythms. And that takes time and it takes some quiet time, but wow, it's very powerful. It is no doubt, no doubt. So as you continue to evolve, describe the the different changes you had to make or you had to approach this new situation, leaving corporate in 2019 with the expectation of, of going on a book tour and doing all these other activities. And you had to do a pivot and get creative. So now in 2022, what are you thinking is next? Now that you've already done the pivot, you responded to the reality of where we are as a community. What's next for you? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's funny, I'm feeling as you're asking that, Someday when I look back on this, I think this is going to be my fourth wellness turning point because what I've learned in this process as I look back, and again, you can't see this going forward. You can only see it going back. Because I I couldn't go on the book tour, I started podcast tours, me being a guest, never in a million years thinking, well, someday you're going to have your own podcast. Like that wasn't in the, the script, right? So it was that first year of, of writing the book, of promoting the book. It was the second year of getting a podcast up and running. Last year, I created this online course from type A to type B. And now that I'm settling in, I love this idea from type A to type B because I think it's just something that our world, like this is how we respond to everything. I heard something really beautiful the other day about the heart is big enough to hold it all. We think like with everything that's happening that there's conflict and we have to take sides. It's like the heart is big enough to take it all. Like, Can you love it all? That itself is a practice. Can you love what's in front of you? No matter what's coming out of so-and-so's mouth here that you adore but don't agree with, it's like, can you love that? You don't have to agree. You don't have to condone. But can you include that? Can you include that in your experience, in your heart? I'm trying, Kathy. I know. That's why it's a practice. Because, And I think this was a question that I was really wrestling too. Like you're seeing everything that's happened in the world. Like, am I just getting older? Like did stuff like this always happen and I just never realized it? Or what is this? And it's like, wow, this is a huge opportunity of like, how do I approach this? I don't have the answers. All I know is that it's not about pushing away. It's about opening up. And you're right. It is It is counterintuitive. And I am not a master in this whatsoever. All I can do is just take the next opportunity and try again. And that's what makes it, I think, so powerful. A long-winded way of answering your question of this idea from type A to type B is not only professional transitions. These are personal transitions. And so I see the class It's self-study. I do some facilitated sessions as well. But there's an opportunity on the back end of this of what can we as second actors, just to use your, your terminology, what might we collectively do in these times with the skills, with the experience, with the newfound energy that we have in this space? And so I'm thinking that there's some sort of group, there's a membership, not in me, but us gathering. What are you doing of learning from each other, of how are you taking these experiences, going through this process? 
this. And then being out in the world, I think there's so much learning there. And so I have a blog post that I wrote recently that says retirement is a verb. And it was much based on, it's actually a story from Senator Cory Booker, who's from New Jersey, who told the story. I get chills every time I repeat the story, but there was a, a lawyer back in the 60s when I was born who saw something on television. It was the riots down South that impacted him so much. He went to his office and said, I want to give back an hour of my time to a social cause every week. Could you please find me one? And what he did was that they, they were part of what was called back then a sting operation where they would help families get into neighborhoods where they would not be able to buy houses if they went themselves. And Cory Booker's father, who was an executive at IBM, was the recipient of this gentleman's time. I can get in the chills. And raised two kids. One became an Ivy League football star and then a senator who was doing amazing things in the world. And it really made me think like that was one hour a week. I'm sure that's only one of many families whose lives changed as a result of that. What could we do? There's a whole group of us. We, We have this power to help shift what's going on in the world. What might we be able to do together? That's powerful. I love that. I love that. So as we kind of wind things down, what would you like your listeners to do? Is there a call to action relative to you know what you're involved in and with? Yeah, absolutely. I've got a number of things. So if the Athena principles resonated for anybody who's listening, there's a free download that you can get an overview of the principles. You can get the holistic wellness spectrum. There's an action plan. It kind of takes you through the process. Um, For those who bought the book, there's downloads. There's a workbook that goes with that. That's available as well. But at the top of the, the website of each page, there's a green bar and it's for what we're talking about, this idea of type A to type B. So if that's resonating, there's a masterclass that I did a webinar with a person named Dawn Jarvis, who is an amazing podcaster on her own. But we talk about our experiences in post-corporate life, but it's actionable. I give steps that people who are still in corporate looking to leave at some point, what they can do now, as well as those who have left and are feeling a little lost. So there's some action and then there's some information on on the class as well. And that's free. That's at the top of the the website. And if anybody just wants to reach out, I'm very accessible. There's a contact form on my website. I would love to converse and to uh, connect with anybody who's interested. I'm on LinkedIn. They can see the Academy, Athena Wellness, as well as Kathy Robinson there as well. Very good. I will include all of your contact information in the show notes. Kathy, I certainly do appreciate you giving your time to us today. Greatly appreciate that. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations, so until then, keep that fire burning.